Oh, yeah. Extra bases with Bristol and Booth and Jeremy. We have um, we continue to break the number one rule in podcasting. Do you know what the number one rule in podcasting is? Not be on your phone when it starts? No. That's probably rule number 32. Okay. Rule number one. one. Rule number one is stick to a schedule. And... Um, yeah, we're not we're not good with that because I was covering the NCAA basketball tournament. Of course, the road, all roads led to Houston, and uh, we were tied up with that. And I don't know quite what you were doing. I think were you traveling? I was doing all kinds of stuff to finish up. You know, any of the four companies that are running right now. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was watching the league. I'm doing some stuff with our guys that are coming to the draft. Um, you know, business stuff, you know, things, things that need to happen. And, uh, you know, I was in the gym and enjoying my life with Nietzsche, with, with Burn Man. So yeah. there's a little bit of that too. You know, Bernie and I, we kind of have this thing going, you know, he's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, we spent a lot of time together with the Miles. I've now got him tattooed on my shoulder, mm. you know, so it is what it is. Ber- Bernie, for those of you that, that, that have not figured out, you may have heard Bernie bark. A number of times. He's a big Texas livestock guard dog, 110 pounds of uh, Anatolian Shepherd and Pyrenees. And he is the most loyal dog you could ever find. And he and I are kind of inseparable. So well, I, um, I hope the two of you don't break up now that you're um, now that he's tattooed on your shoulder, your arm. I hope you two don't break up. I'm going to go out and on a limb and say we're going to be good, you know. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're good there. So now that's uh, that's what we've been doing, Jason. We've got a lot going on. It's interesting. Uh during the NCAA basketball tournament, I got a package. I was in Birmingham, Alabama, and I'll get to that in a minute. We were covering the University of Houston, uh, myself and uh, photojournalist Mike Orta, and I got a package in the mail, and um, it was from PETA. In fact, the box is right here. I opened it, and inside was this hat arm barn <laughs> yeah so the folks at PETA said uh, greetings from PETA our pitch asking the baseball world to knock it out of the park by swapping the anti-animal term bullpen which refers to the holding area where terrified bulls are kept before slaughter with arm barn has been a hit with teams including the angels and giants adopting the animal friendly replacement so we've created a line of arm barn themed merchandise, words like bullpen, which condone violence towards animals and perpetuate speciesism, a human supremacist worldview have no place in America's favorite pastime. So we hope this hat will help you to promote respectful language while also blocking the sun, effectively feeding two birds with one scone. It says, we hope you'll enjoy wearing the enclosed baseball cap this season. It says, bring on the arm barn. It's a blue cap with script writing and a big arm. Wow, Jeremy, that kind of looks like your arm. It's a, it's a big arm. It's a big one. It's yeah. a big arm. But, um, yeah, I got that in the mail. Um, I didn't know the Giants and Angels had adopted that that term. Did you know that? I didn't. You know, more importantly, I didn't know that bullpen had that negative meaning to it. I, I, I didn't know. That. And it didn't surprise me because, um, you know, I, I don't think anybody likes thinking about 
you know, the death of animals. I mean, anybody likes thinking about it. You know what I mean? So, um, and I don't mind the name Armbar. I actually kind of like it. I kind of like the name, you know, Armbar. I think it's kind of a, a fun, reinventive way to talk about the guys down there. And, um, you know, like, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I had no idea, though, yeah. that that uh, bullpen was that. And, I, and I, I will say this, you know, without going too far down the road, we there still is something called a food chain here. You know what I mean? And um, the human supremacist part, you, pro you probably lost me. On, on that but i i can probably i can say it, uh, i don't have idea. a speciesism that's right yeah. human speciesism you could probably you lost me on that part but i'm good with the arm barn and i'm good with being kind to animals and and and, and changing some terminology because i like arm barn it's actually that's actually a good one yeah i i i um it's not a battle that i knew was 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 being waged um not against it i just don't know if i don't know if peter will come out on the winning side of that one i i just um injured list and what we knew as the dl before i get you know that one i i il has been has has now you know we're we're using it but um i don't i don't know if arm barn will, will is that why um, they did that huh is that why they, is that why they did that was the i never knew why they i don't i don't doesn't bother me i thought they did it to be more consistent with other sports you know no, I, I think because not not i think it um because of the word disabled yeah so they did it because of that yeah i don't, I don't mind that stuff with a better consciousness today than we did before that's the point yeah. um but uh yeah i'm kind of with you on the bullpen side i, I don't know but again i like arm barn i yeah, actually no, like it's... the way it sounds all right, it's all right but if you're listening to a baseball game they're gonna say hey out in the angels arm barn i mean it does sound good but i don't you know i don't i don't know if there's that um immediate connotation that oh yeah they're talking about the place out in the outfield where the relief pitchers are throwing i, yeah, I don't want to say know, the I, name so I, I hear arm barn and i start smiling I, yeah. it sounds like something you would say on the radio oh you know the arm barn they're down there getting loose in the arm barn you know so you know we'll see yeah yeah uh while i was in birmingham i uh made sure in fact when i heard that the university of houston was headed to birmingham alabama the first thing I thought of was Rickwood Field. I was like, I got to go. I got to go to Rickwood Field. Jeremy, you haven't been to Rickwood Field, have you? I haven't been to Rickwood Field, but I know what Rickwood Field is. Now, I, I don't know how many people are going to know what Rickwood Field really is. So, I, well, I Rickwood Field is a historic baseball stadium. In fact, it is the oldest professional baseball stadium existing in the united states you know interesting with that if you watch the reggie jackson documentary on amazon which i did watch it's he uh, he's in birmingham playing in rickwood you know it's yep. there so in fact when um, i was there they had told me that you'll see reggie at rickwood because they came and filmed the segment there i was lucky enough they still play baseball there it's a division three school that plays there we went on a sunday about 1231, there was a game. And what, what really strikes me is when you walk into this place, and I'll put the pictures up when we post the podcast, is how massive it appears. And and I'll show the picture to Jeremy right now to, to show him what I'm talking about, but how massive when you walk in. But it's really not a big park. And the reason it looks so massive the reason it looks so massive is because the field 
the way it's constructed, the field is so far away from the grandstand. Yeah. And the seating area. In fact, the lights, the lighting system. That's way up there. Yeah. Not only is way up there, it's way out there. It yeah, jets absolutely. out because it has to cover the field. So when you're there, it's it's amazing how massive it appears. But really, I think it's just our perspective because the field is so far away from the seating area. But if you get a chance to go, I got lucky. There was a game going on. And then as I walked around the stadium, there's all these pictures of the great players who've played there, like Reggie Jackson, whom Jeremy just mentioned. Um, a lot of those great Oakland A's players from the early 70s, they were there uh, coming up through the A's system. So their pictures are on the wall. And um, when I the gift shop was open, so I was able to walk in and um, check out the gift shop a little bit. And they are still raising money as part of a restoration process. Here's a picture of Reggie they have. Yep. Which I think was probably used in the documentary, the documentary. as well. Yep. But um, yeah, I, I was really uh, <laughs> that was really. I mean, it's always fun and it's work to go cover basketball, but I was really, uh, that was, that was like one of the highlights of, of, of that trip was to, was to go see Rickwood. I'm surprised I would have figured that you would have had, maybe you should have an event at Rickwood field. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I probably could do something in Birmingham. They they took down, I want to say they took away Hank, Hank Aaron stadium and mobile. Let's say that's gone. So, um, you know, maybe that's one to, to go to is Rickwood. Uh, you know, funny thing about Reggie Jackson, I will say, is that in watching the documentary, I had forgotten that when he was in Oakland, Kansas City first and then Oakland, um, that he was there to win all three of those World Series rings. So he's got three there. But he he's was got, injured. One of the World Series, he was injured. The first one. Yeah, but he's still he's got three there. He's got two with the Yankees as a player. I want to say 77 and 79, right? And he's got five with the Yankees as a front office guy. And he's got one with the Astros. He's got 11 World Series rings. Is there anybody else out there in the history of sports that has that many championships besides Red Auerbach? Bill Russell, maybe. Well, yeah, maybe because he was playing with that's that's ridiculous numbers. But I thought it was uh, I, I found it unique when Reggie or not unique, but interesting Reggie describing his relationship with Jim Crane about why. Reggie has a Reggie's very much about people who are self-made, who who I think nothing was handed to them. And I think Reggie, I think that's why Reggie kind of was is drawn to you a little bit as well, Jeremy. Not that he knows a lot of your story, but um, but I think, you know, there's this fact that um yeah, uh by the way, Bill Russell, eleven time NBA champion. Uh he's very much about people who are self-made. And also, he had a very revealing interview with Howard Stern before the the uh, the documentary documentary was released. So, I would uh, I would recommend both if if you get the opportunity, definitely watch. I didn't finish it, the documentary. I got to finish it, but uh, the interview was with Howard Stern was really really good, really good. I, I watched it twice, so I saw it. It was so I wanted to see the you know the part of it because. You know, Dave Stewart's in it, and Raleigh Fingers is in it. And... I didn't know that he and Dave Stewart – Dave Stewart was a kid. Did you know that, that Dave Stewart 
the, I did how the relationship said, started. He was a kid outside the stadium, right? Yeah, and I, I sent a text to Stu, and I said, I had no idea that Reggie had that type of impact on you, you know? It was, it's, it was amazing. So, anyway, anyway. Well, we don't uh, want to give away the documentary, although you know how it ends. Um, but, yeah, so Reggie, 77 and 78. 77, 78, okay. Yeah. And then uh, 14-time All-Star, and then he is a uh, three-time champion with the A's, 72, 73, 74. So it's but, five um, This guy... It's good. It's good that we're getting the people who are baseball fans but don't know the Reggie story. It's it's great that uh, we're able to 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 get that story because you know you look at the athletes today. I mean Reggie was, I mean he's one of those athletes you just know him by one name, Reggie, right? You say the word Reggie, you know you know for the most part in baseball who you're talking about. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. So about how, how about these Astros? How about these Astros? You know, uh, I do think that before we get to the Astros, the biggest surprise thus far, and I know we're only seven games in, but has there been anything that's really struck you about the beginning of this baseball season? Um, Can I tell you what mine is? Sure. I mean, I knew the Rays pitching was good, but to get off to this start, wow. Yeah, you know um... – what struck me about this baseball season is that the, oh, the, there's another the, thing too, which go ahead. we'll get to, but go ahead. A couple times I've been in the ballpark. Um, these, the innings are going through, taking three or four minutes. And when you're at home, cause I've watched on TV now, right. It's, you don't feel it. It's fine. It moves quick. You know, the actions there, you can get up, go to the fridge, come back. You, I mean, you do all kinds of things at home. Um, where that actually increases the interest because there's less dead time at home on TV. When I'm at the stadium and I've been, you know, I've actually went by twice now. Okay. When I'm at the stadium, um, I, I'm not a fan of it. Now I, I, I get it on TV. Um, like I said, as a matter of fact, in TV, it makes it more enjoyable. I'll openly say that now that I've watched it, I didn't watch it in spring training you know, now that I've watched it, um, I think if you added five more seconds to what you have, you probably add about eight minutes back to the game. And that's enough. You know, you're down to what? 36 minutes. Is that right? 36 ish. ish. So if you, you know, you cut it to two hours and 45 minutes on average, no one's going to have an issue. You're still 21 minutes or so beneath what it was in older baseball going back 25 years. I was at the game yesterday at minute made. I wasn't there for the entire one. I was there for innings. I think I got there in the sixth. I didn't feel any difference, Jeremy. I, I, I felt it was not a rushed pace. I felt, I thought it was good. I, I'm enjoying it. I think this is the way the game was played decades ago, and I'm all about it. I am all about it. Well, it doesn't bother me one bit. Yeah, I you know, I, I get it. And I mean, and I understand he- when a guy gets knocked down or – um, something something happens that a guy might want to collect himself, but they have the opportunity for that timeout. You can get it. I don't. I, I think there has to be. I don't think it can be as unilateral as it is. If it's going to stay, no, it's going to stay. So, look, it, it, there needs to be some some modifications to it. If we have a problem adding eight minutes back to the baseball game, 
um, I think we have some bigger issues with the future of it. If we have an issue with, uh, for example, the pickoffs, okay? I mean, the stolen bases are ridiculous and it's a running start. You know, it's a running start. Now, um, it's the complete opposite of what we've had. So it's really refreshing to see it going on, right? Which even though it's not, um, it's not at a, it's not at a, a pace that can be sustained defensively. Um, in some cases, the pitcher has advantages, and once a guy gets on base, they got advantages. Um, and you saw the Mets, the umpire get, uh, called a strike on Jeff McNeil for Pete Alonzo being too far off the base, uh, not getting back in time, which McNeil couldn't do anything, and the, and the MLB issued an apology, right? So I, I think there's some, there's some tweaking to do, and I, I think the tweaking has to do with, you know, not being so absolute with it and, and still keeping the spirit of what you're trying to do. And if you added five more seconds back to it, there's no issue. All this stuff goes away. I do think the picks are something they got to work out. I think they got to work that out. You know, two picks and the guys are, I mean, they're, they're rolling into their, their jump. They're rolling into it. I mean, you know, um, in one in one respect, it can take away the one knee down because you can't throw from there. And in other respects, you put both knees on the ground now and don't care because they got they got a wrong start. So just catch it and throw it back, you know. So I I don't I don't know. It's um it's interesting to watch. Uh, I do think it's here to stay. I don't mind it as a concept. I think it's got some tweaking. Now on to the Astros, three and four to start the season, and when you look at the rest of the West, Rangers and Angels have started out four and two. The Astros are third, three and four. A's are two and four, and then the Mariners are two and five. Granted, we're only a week in, but, um, you know, I think with the Astros right now, you're, you're the top four, five, six guys, five guys. But after that, I, uh, it's, it's not good. And, but, but here's the thing when, when you look at, and I, I went and I went back and looked at this, and I mentioned it last night on KHOU 11 News at 10. One loss records during this golden age of Astros baseball. They've been under 500 in April. They were seven and nine April 25th, 2022. Nine and 10 April 23rd of 2021. They were four and five April 6th of 2019. So three and four, I'm not going to sweat it. I don't think Astros fans should sweat it, especially when there's no Altuve. There's no Brantley. There's no McCullers. Now, there have been a little, a couple of things like Montero. I wonder how much the World Baseball Classic has played into this Maybe the bullpen arms like a Montero, not as sharp because maybe he didn't get his regular work in because he's with the WBC. Dusty Baker mentioned about Jeremy Pena that because of the WBC, he didn't get as much playing time or at bats. And maybe that has something to do with his slow start, at least in Dusty's mind. Jeremy, very politely, kind of, I don't want to say push back, but said that the WBC actually made him more game ready. So I think all of it is... Who knows? Who knows? But at this point, I don't think Astros fans should have one iota of concern about the product on the field other than the injuries and how long it's going to take for these guys to get back. So, you know, each year is different than the last. This 2023 is not 2022. Um, 
the biggest failure of this of the offseason, I can't even call it a front office because I'm not sure that's what they had, but the biggest failure of the offseason was not, not securing depth. That's the failure. It's not about Altuve getting hurt or Brantley not being back, but fine. It's not about signing a break. Fine. None of those things matter if you have nobody to back them up. You know, what happens if if Pena or Bregman gets hurt? We've already sniffed that a couple of times. That could happen with Pena for sure. What happens if they get hurt then? You run out Hensley and Dubon. Anybody here feel like that's a World Series winning club? Show of hands. I'm looking. I see no hands raised. The answer is no. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean that those guys don't have big league roles or they're not good players. They're good players. What it does mean is that they're not championship winning players right now at the big league level for 2023. Um, that was the failure. If the Astros get through April, and albeit it's a different division than it was before, okay? It's not the same composition as, well, Oakland, I don't know what they're doing. They got they had six fans the other night. And it was it was a, a, a record for the last three seasons. I don't, I don't know what's going on. But if you have... Um, uh, if, if you have the Rangers, which I told you were going to be better, okay, they're going to be better. It may not be ready to win the division yet, but they're going to be better. If you have the Mariners, who are not a two and four club, okay, that's that's not it. And you have the Angels, who should be better anyway, right? Than they than they have been. Rendon's back. You know, obviously he had an issue with the one fan that was at the game in Oakland. Um, you know, you've got you, you know, but I guess if there's nobody there, you could probably hear him, right? Here's <laughs> There's like 11 people, the guys in the third deck. <laughs> you know, can you, sorry. can you describe him? Yeah. He's one of the 11 people over there. One guy it was on the third baseline. Yep. I got him. So, um, you know, I, I guess, uh, it, it's a better division. It should, we said it was going to be a better division. So, you know, being three and four right now, um, with the lack of depth they have is a testament to the players that they've got from last year that are, that are, you know, all stars and, and, and winning players. Um, if the Astros get through April 500, there's nothing to worry about. If the Astros dig a hole in April, there's a problem. The Astros can get through 500 and turn around in May and play above 500 ball. Let's call it 550. And then get guys back in June and play 600 ball, right? Then they're settling in on the pace they should play the rest of the year, not necessarily you know win 60% of the games, but you know certainly get into the playoffs. And um, – you know, if they get to the playoffs and Lance McCullers comes back about, you know, September from the injury, which is about right. And, um, you know, you get these guys back on the field, then you might have a chance to win. Now, now Altuve is Altuve. Um, looks like June for him. Um, you know, and I guess McCullers probably on the same timeline. So they're going to need some time to work in. Bottom line, the depth is an issue. And the Astros fans out there watching, it's not about the guys at the front line. It's not about the injuries. It's about what's behind that. Um, I got concerns about the rotation, not because of the front four, but because of who's in the back and the lack of depth there. But once again, there's that pesky word, depth. And if you look at the Astros farm system, and I'm just going to say it because I know that, you know, I know these guys listen. I, I know they do. They get so personal about it. The reality is the drafting and developing in every year before this year since 2015 has been absolutely horrible. So there's nothing left in the system. There's one player here. There's one player there. It's been terrible. I and I will say this: I had guys who I actually like. Okay, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna tell tell people that I had guys that I like who I trust um, actually text me about you know this guys who had been in Houston before, guys who are you know there now. Um, you know, it's it's not 
it has been bad. It's been bad, bad. And, you know, when you talk to Jim Crane about what he did with Dana Brown, not to get off on a tangent here, but he did it to go, as he said publicly, to address their, their biggest need, which was the draft. That's what he said. That's why he went and got Dana Brown, because he had to address the draft. So if the GM can, or the owner can say, I had a general manager whose biggest strong suit is, is scouting to get the draft right. And every rider on the planet can say you're number 61 out of 30 teams in your system. Okay. How are you going to get butt hurt when I say it? I gave you a heads up before it got way down the line. Like I was give, let's go, turn it around. Like let's get let's get it moving, you know. Say, and y'all got bent out of shape. Like really, really bent out of shape. Like the fans got bent out of shape. You know, the, the some of the scouts got bent out of shape. When 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 you're doing a terrible job. Clean it up. Like, I, I gave you a, a runway. You had years to pay attention to what I was telling you. Like, literally years. And all you did was sit there and want, yeah, yeah, do it. You know, and, and now you have the writers and you have the owner that says, I'm hiring somebody to draft right. So, back to what you have now. There's nothing in the system to be able to help. You can say Corey Lee. You don't need him up here. They don't need him. They don't need him up here. Maldonado's fine. Diaz is fine. Salazar's fine. I liked what Dana did there. Um, you know, Dana says Corey Lee is going to be a stud. I'm translation. We're letting him play in Sugarland because he's got to play every day because he's all we got to get something back if we need help. Okay. You got Pedro Leon, jury's out there. I mean, you got some guys in AAA that are a little bit older that may be able to help a little bit, you know, here up and down, but there's nothing to come and bring some impact. So you have to use what you have in the big league roster and you have to be able to move some of those guys for pieces to get something back to help you when you could have signed the depth and kept those guys in the system anyway. So that's the biggest problem with, with what's going on right now. Get through um, get through April 500, a little bit better in May. In June, you start rolling, you'll be all right. I must mention this. Uploaded today or yesterday to futurestarseries.com is one of your new, the new members of the team, Joe Doyle, who, um, wow. His top 400 draft prospects for the 2023 draft, the top 400 prospects, it's live right now on futurestarsseries.com. Leading off, no surprise, it's the outfielder from LSU, Dylan Cruz, whom you know very well. But, um, and what, what, what kills me, Jeremy, or impresses me, that should be more the word, there's a write-up on 400 of these guys. It's not like some of these other places where they give you maybe the top 100 and then they just do a list. He's written up profiles on all 400. Yeah, so, you know, the thing about Joe is Joe works for Future uh, FSS Digital, okay, um, which is the, you know, online uh, arm, post to futurestarsers.com. Um, it does TV. He works with Jason Churchill on that side and, 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 and some of our, our marketing people um, and our digital content. He does not write for Future Star Series, which is the events, right? So we, we have to separate that. Future Star Series is the events that we put on. Those players and those events are selected by Gordon Blakely and Jeremy Booth, okay? And those are the guys we like that we think are big league prospects. Now, you can't have 400 of those. That's, that's not how that works. So Joe's looking at a much bigger picture. He's talking to colleges included in this, obviously, with Dylan Cruz and Tommy Troy, who's number eight, one of our guys um, as well. Um, you know, he's looking at listening to scouts. He's, you know, this, that 400 is going to shuffle up and down and move all around all year, okay, because it changes up until the draft. 
Um, it is not my list. It is not Gordon's list. It is Joe's list. And I told Joe when he went to digital that he could write what he wanted to write. But to understand that was his list. And I got to say that enough because my list is a scouting list, right? So his, his list is a uh, draft ranking, which is what that that is over there. So um, when it comes to, to that, what Joe is, is he's thorough. There's nothing if he's not thorough. You may disagree. You may agree with it, but he's thorough. And he talks to people and he has he has network and contacts and he does put some some um, uh, some scouting process into his decision making. Now, he doesn't go see these players. He hasn't seen them. So, you know, he's writing from what he's hearing and what he's getting and, and things like that. But, um, you know, he does have an understanding of analysis. He's in one video and does some stuff that way. So he's done a good job getting that content out for FutureStarSeries.com, uh, you know, helping the, the digital entity um you know get up and running here fss digital him and, him and jason churchill so um i'm excited to see what he can do but yeah 400 players with uh two two guys in uh, fss alum in the top 10 yeah and i like how um on this site and i don't know whose idea this was but to put the little future star series logo next to the players that have been a part of your program well so that funny I mean, thing it's, about it's that, kind of a no-brainer but it's nice that someone actually thought it you know yeah, actually jason, executed it Jason and Joe are very, um, very good at, at understanding how to separate that, right? I mean, obviously, it's it's not again, it's not Future Star Series, which is the not events. your list. I get it, I get yep. it. But it is, it is, you know, it is a sister company, if you will, FSS Digital, right? So now, will they to... come to you about uh, this, or was this uh, it, the um, editorial um, control is on there, and they would come to talk to you, or does that come well, later the, in the, the draft, or Jason? As the president, we haven't CEO, decided yet. As the president and CEO of every entity we have here, um, I have final say over everything because I'm I'm the guy that writes the check. But what I will say is that my my I, my creative license, much as I would like for myself, allows these guys to write what they want. If I think they're grossly out of line and I see something, I'm gonna I told them I'm gonna tell them. Okay, but when it comes to something that is a is a matter of perspective, yeah. For example, you know, guys are like five a guy who's 57 people. and you think he should be 47 or 80. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that because in a month it's going to go that way. Right. It's, it's, it's just the way it works. So, um, you know, this look, this is an this is if you look at the site, we've ranked, you know, Joe has ranked all 30 uh, major league clubs. I don't know if all 30 are out yet, but he's done that with their systems. And the Astros came in a resounding 61st. That's how I said that. I used Joe's ranking. So, um, you know, but no, it, seriously, he's, he's done a good job with that, getting that stuff out there. The site has a different look to it, and that's that's Jason and uh, and and Joe as far as what they're doing there. Now, um, quickly, two minutes by the way, two minutes to go. It's okay. Navigating that site, you'll be able to tell the difference between the content that's written and, and is, is consumable for certain people, and and through the digital arm, and, and the stuff that is just it's events and and Mike Ashmore and players and driven and stuff along that line. And so it really is two different sides coming together, which is a pretty good look. Um, I expect that top 400, and I'll stop here. I do expect that top 400 to change. People in the north are just getting to start playing. There's a left-hander named Cody New out there in uh, California, who's six foot five, 96 with four pitches. There's a, a kid down here in South Texas named Javi Torres, who's up to 96 in San Antonio area, up to 96 with two with two pluses. Um, and then there's Alex Cranzler, who just had his first start the other day, um, who's blown the you know blown the cover out or thrown through the crap out of the ball at 94, 95, but he just had his first start you know, in New Jersey. So, um, you know, then you still got a kid like Cooper Pratt who's going to go in the first 20 or a kid like Zane Adams, who's six, five up to 94 with breaking balls. And you got to wonder who's saying what, because that's where Joe's getting it. Right. He's not getting, I'm not giving it to him. That's where he's, that's where he's getting it from. So 
Um, you know, Zion Rose is another one that some people have in the first round and, and Joe's hearing something else, you know, so where, where that comes together is, is up to them. Um, you know, creative license is important, but uh, you know, that's what the digital arm does. It takes that and it takes the content, it gives these guys an additional platform to be seen by eyes. They wouldn't normally be seen from. And, you know, we go from there. I, uh, I would, um, I don't, I'm not Hunter Brown, Drew Gilbert. I would not rank Pedro Leon over Yainer Diaz, but that's just me. I have I have nothing to do with it. That is Joe. I um, understand. I just have it. You know, I just wouldn't. I just I wouldn't do it. But I think that's, Diaz that's is, why everybody does what they do. So well, I, I would agree with you on Yiner Diaz, but we'll leave it there. All right, everybody. That's going to wrap up another extra bases with Bristol and Booth. Till next time, whenever that is, we'll see you right here. KHOU.com, YouTube, and all your other streaming channels. We appreciate you watching. Till next time, 